Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hey there, Erica here. Welcome back to the Line Nutrition Podcast. If you are listening to this in real time, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you listened to last episode on preparing for the holidays, I hope you're feeling okay about the upcoming holidays that, you know, it's giving you some things to think about and hopefully navigate some situations that you have coming up. And even more than that, you know, next year at this time, hopefully you'll be in a spot where you can enjoy the holidays with a little less stress around eating. So if you follow me on Instagram, you know I, you may have noticed that I've just been posting a little bit less lately and I'm not going anywhere. I'm just super, super busy and I've been seeing a lot of clients. That's kind of what inspired this episode today. I wanted to talk to you about five things that you might not know about healing your relationship to food. And these are a lot of things that tend to come up when I'm meeting with clients and it just, it's helpful often to hear more about the process. I would say as somebody who talks to, I mean, at this point, I've been doing this for 10 years. I feel like I've most likely talked to like thousands of people about what they eat. And it just seeing people go through this process as well. There's just a lot of things that emerge that I think surprise people or you didn't realize that there's a connection there. And sometimes just understanding that it's part of the process or being able to identify that it's part of the process or even kind of knowing where you're at in the process, I think is really helpful in and of itself. There may be things that you figure out that you can do with that information. But ultimately today, I just I just wanted to talk through some of those things that tend to emerge and how I talk about it with some of my clients. And if you are a client of mine or were a client of mine or you were in one of my group programs, some of this may sound familiar or maybe it hasn't come up for you on your journey yet or it did come up for you. You just didn't realize that that was something that was happening at the time. So, you know, I think that really one of the things that I want to talk through first, again, I have five that I want to move you through is this idea of restriction. So whether you are dealing with overeating or undereating and restricting your food intake, or maybe you identify as someone who deals with binging, or maybe you have certain behaviors around compensating through exercise or other methods where you've been on every diet since you were age 11, is this this idea that they all center around restriction. 
And restriction can be, you've heard me talk about this, hopefully, it can be in the physical sense and it can be in the mental sense. So a lot of people are surprised to learn that no matter what symptoms they're having, again, whether it's overeating or what I like to call more rebound overeating, eating in a response to not eating enough or having a restrictive mentality around eating is just really keeping restriction as the central cause in a lot of these other areas. And I'm not saying there might not be other psychological factors or other nutritional factors going on, but it's important to really understand that even if you feel that overeating or rebound overeating are part of your biggest issue or craving sugar or not being able to control yourself around certain foods or feeling incredibly guilty around certain things that you eat, All of this is related to restriction. So we have to focus on coming out of restriction. So for a lot of us, that's learning to eat more and what that looks like for our body. And it's it's identifying some of that mental restriction. And I have several podcasts talking about what mental restriction is, but it's a lot of those kind of rules in your head or conditions. So things like, I can eat this now because I'll go to the gym tomorrow. Or if I'm eating that later, then I need to eat only vegetables for an afternoon snack. Or I ate that, so I really need to start fasting again, and I'll do that next week. Or I promise that this is the last time I'll eat this. You know, it's this, it's a lot of here, all the conditions that are associated with those things. A lot of shoulds never shouldn't have, always, I should always eat vegetables at a meal, I should always choose the highest fiber option, I should always prioritize protein above carbohydrates, I should never eat more than one serving of carbs in a day. So you hear a lot of these words, these are restriction in action. And again, restriction is going to continue to perpetuate Whatever it is you're trying to heal from, whether that again, that's chronic, you know, overeating or rebound overeating or feeling incredibly guilty about what you're eating all the time, thinking about food all the time, it's all related to this mental and physical restriction. So, you know, beyond learning how to eat enough and eating in a balanced way, a way that we can tackle that is starting to look at a lot of these rules and the way these more mental restrictions show up and starting to challenge those and look at them differently. The next thing that you might not know about healing your relationship to food is you won't think about food less at first. A lot of people enter the process of starting to work on their relationship to food. And I think a lot of times we hear like inspirationally that, you know, you can think about food less and that's ultimately your goal. But at first it doesn't happen that way. You tend to kind of hyperfixate on everything much in the same way that you are. You know, like I said in number one, you're you're confronting mental restriction, you're confronting physical restriction. And so, you know, that does still involve you thinking about food a lot and you're going to be questioning yourself because you're doing it differently. So now your mental chatter might sound a bit different. It might be, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that but it's okay. I know I need to have carb, protein, and fat at every, you know, every meal. And so it was necessary for me to have that. Or I figured out if I have an afternoon snack that I don't, you know, feel out of control in the kitchen at night, 
those types of things where you're starting to directly address food, now there's just another dialogue going on where you're still having the old thought, the restrictive thought, but maybe you're starting to challenge it or you're trying to reassure yourself or maybe you're noticing a lot of these thoughts and you hadn't before. So ultimately, you're kind of upsetting the equilibrium of however you were eating before, even if even if you felt like I'm thinking about food all the time and I'm obsessing about it and this is so frustrating, you know, there's comfort in in it being the same. So when you start to do something different, whether that's thinking about things differently or eating differently, it really upsets the status quo. And so you might find yourself thinking about food quite a bit. And and if you've ever worked with a therapist or a dietitian before, you know, what we're looking at is, you know, essentially challenging eating and, and nutrition related thoughts or, you know, learning about them, debunking them, et cetera. So it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of mental work and it's a necessary part of the work. If you've ever changed anything else in your life or worked on yourself in any other area, you know that, you know, getting to know yourself and, and trying to change how you think about something is, is really going to take up a lot of time and energy. So it's completely normal to not feel better at first. You know, I added afternoon snack and, and now I'm not, you know, eating as much at night when I get home, but gosh, I feel so guilty all afternoon. I mean, that's an example of you changing, but you're not necessarily thinking about food less at first, which leads us into number three, you will feel worse. Then you kind of develop this like dual guilt where you're feeling guilty about, you know, challenging an old thought of, okay, I shouldn't, I'm eating now at night, you know, I'm eating less at night and I'm eating a snack in the afternoon and now I feel super guilty, you know, all the time. Or I ate carbohydrates at lunch and I didn't go to the gym. I feel terrible about that. But maybe you're directly challenging physical restriction or a food rule in the form of mental restriction. So you're, you're moving ahead you're starting to have progress, but it just doesn't necessarily feel good at first, which is hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, think about anyone changing something that you do on average, you know, three to six times a day. That's a lot of work. And ultimately, we perform a lot of these, you know, ways of eating or thinking about the ways of eating as a way to alleviate the anxiety that we have, you know, you have anxiety about eating carbohydrates or you have anxiety about eating three meals a day and going to happy hour. So when you directly challenge that, you're you're almost, you know, again, making it worse as a, as a way to almost like an exposure therapy, if you want to think of it in that way. Or for some people, there it goes even deeper where maybe their eating patterns and behaviors helped them deal with difficult emotions or mask trauma or survive or get by. I mean, we're Everyone that I've ever worked with and everyone that I've ever talked to about this stuff, we have very intelligent and logical reasons for, you know, using eating as a coping skill or however you might conceptualize some of the behaviors that you've developed about around eating. Or if you've dealt with chronic dieting throughout your life, it's well studied in that, you know, for most people, it develops into a fixation and obsession. And for a lot of people, um, binging patterns as well. So, you know, the fact that you might be feeling worse is is really not surprising. You know, don't really beat yourself up about that and, and know that it's okay to feel worse. And if you notice that really difficult emotions are coming up or a certain level of anxiety that you can't tolerate on your own and sit with, then it's really, if you can, really helpful. And in my opinion, essential, if you can, to work with a therapist on, you know, how do you start dealing with emotions in a different way? 
how do you help manage anxiety and, and strategize new coping skills or just ways to get more support and move through that. So the next one, number four, things you might not know about healing your food relationship is there will be times you want to go back to your old ways. I realize as, as I'm talking to you about this, that a lot of these things sound so terrible and awful. And it is, it's hard, but I just, I do want to <laughs> keep you listening and know that it's worth it. There's a lot of good reason for pursuing this. So hang in. <laughs> but number four, you know, there'll be times you want to go back to your old ways. So again, it's not unusual. A lot of people that I work with, you kind of reach a point where you're far enough in, but you want to escape the discomfort and you want to return to, you know, how things were before. So maybe if you Maybe if your body has changed in some way, you might kind of put on rose-colored glasses and look backwards and go, oh my gosh, well, when I was first doing that intermittent fasting and you know CrossFit classes or whatever, I felt amazing. And then you kind of look back and go, well, actually, I didn't. I, I really didn't feel amazing. I hated my body then too. And so you know, you're kind of like thinking about it's not unusual to reimagine our past and just really again crave that like comfort that we felt in the familiarity. Because you're, you're basically like you have this path ahead of food healing and recovery and, you know, intuitive eating, food freedom, whatever, you know, you feel that your current path is, but you're not there yet. So you're just kind of in some ways at the beginning or in the middle, but, you know, you're not far enough away from how things were either. So it's just, you know, I always kind of picture somebody in the middle of a bridge and you just feel kind of scared and you want to go back or forward and you're not sure which way to go. It's just it's really natural to to crave that, especially if you're dealing with regular triggers. You know, we live in a pretty triggering society that, you know, maybe you felt like you were doing great when it came to healing your relationship to food. And then you go on a weekend away with a friend that you compare bodies with and, you know, maybe they eat in a disordered way or maybe you're around your mom who just, you know, restarted Weight Watchers and, you know, is asking you like how you're doing or Maybe somebody that regularly compliments your body doesn't say something. And so then you start to get in your head. Like we have a lot of reasons that things that can pull us back into wanting to go back to how things were super, super normal. So the last thing, number five, things you might not know about healing your relationship to food is a body image will not improve at first or even maybe a little bit later. So I want to paint the picture of how this works. Like if we look at, somebody who is susceptible to starting to diet or somebody who's at risk of developing an eating disorder or disordered eating, usually body image dissatisfaction or not liking your body or being unhappy with your body or not feeling safe in your body or uncomfortable or whatever is a precursor to you know, deciding to start a diet. You know, you're, you're thinking, okay, well, I'm just, I feel uncomfortable in my body. And so now I want to lose weight to feel better and more confident. Or again, you, you know, maybe a precursor and a risk factor for developing an eating disorder. So then when you're, you're starting to heal and come out of it and you're addressing food, we haven't addressed, you know, the thing that made you susceptible and, and want to start changing some of your eating patterns again or lose weight. So I think this idea that we think that body image and food are going to go hand in hand, 
that's just not always true. And so it's hard to, you know, basically forge ahead in healing your relationship to food when you're so uncomfortable in your body. And now you don't even have the safety blanket of, you know, controlling your food intake or eating less or, you know, restrictive eating. So now you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm eating so much. And I also feel terrible in and about my body. So again, I just think framing it as, hey, this was a precursor to you developing some of the stuff is essential in understanding that you're not doing it wrong or, you know, that maybe this even takes you back to number four of wanting to go back to your old ways because you're so uncomfortable in your body. So they can really play together. And, and usually for most people, body image and the distortion and addressing that or, you know, kind of managing the desire to want to seek weight loss again you know, we just kind of have to like do our best to set it aside, talk about it, you know, maybe work on it a little bit, either with a therapist or consider some other things, you know, talking to a dietitian about it. But just, you know, really seeing that this stuff is not going to get better right away. But as long as you're stuck in disordered eating and or an eating disorder or, you know, continually seeking weight loss and being in that restrictive mentality, you will continue to perpetuate the cycle of a negative body image or body image dissatisfaction. So, you know, I think if you can find ways to support yourself in the meantime on the body image piece, but just kind of knowing that it's not going to get better right away, um, and it may take some additional support depending on your history and experiences, that that can be just, again, helpful to know and manage your own expectations. So like I said, you know, even though this stuff just sounds <laughs> like such a drag, it's really something that you can get through and it's a necessary part of the work. I always think of it as like more work in the beginning and some of the gifts as you go. And the reality is, is that, you know, often our baseline where we start from doesn't feel good either. And so most of us at some point are just willing to try whatever to feel better and to change. So I hope that this is encouraging to kind of know some of the things to expect um, or you might not know that, you know, can help support you in healing your relationship to food. So it is totally worth it. And again, you know, a lot of this is necessary work to continue to realize some of these gifts. And, and, and the good thing is, too, that it's never not old. It never gets old once you've really started to address your relationship to food and discomfort with your body and start to move through the process, it's just, it's something that you always appreciate and you never forget what it was like before and, and some of those incremental changes that you start to notice. So I, I hope that you can know what to expect and that it's worth it to keep going and that you can get through it. I mean, again, I, th I think with me, the benefit is that I've talked to so many people and seen so many people get through this. So there's real power. There's this real community of people who've gone before you. And, you know, why couldn't it be you? If it's them, you know, why couldn't it be you? A lot of people who get adequate support, a lot of people get better. So I hope that this is helpful to know as we enter this holiday season. And I hope you're doing well. Definitely connect with me on Instagram. Like I said, I've been super, super busy. I haven't been posting as much, but I'm still there. I'm still around and dedicated to continuing to create content for you, both in, in the podcast here and on Instagram. So if there's anything that I can create for you, please don't hesitate to DM me and let me know. And I'm sending you so much support and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram 
at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.